And what we're going to be doing is, for the next three weeks, we're coming out of a pandemic and all the churches are starting to ask, what will the church look like? Are we going back to the old ways? Um, is it business as usual? And I think this is a good time to reevaluate biblically what are the things that we want to keep that we did right? What are the things that we may need to change? And how do we get to that decision? We look to God's word and his plan for the church. And so we're going to be taking the next three weeks studying 1 Corinthians 12 because it has an incredible insight and talks explicitly about what you and I are as the church. Is church joining Costco? Hey, I like this place. They have good products and I want to become a member. And we all love the best part about Costco is the samples. You, you got it. And they're all back. Well, you know, if they keep giving me the samples, I'll keep going there. And so how is a church unlike Costco? And so what does God want us to have? So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. And we start with verse 1 through and 3. And Paul writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be misguided by what spiritual gifts are. That's what he's saying. You know that when you were pagans, unbelievers, Gentiles, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. Isn't that true? No one guided by the Holy Spirit will curse Jesus. I think we all could agree on that. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's the spot that we want to start with. What is the church? I think Paul's inferring that when we come to church, it is not just you and me making a human decision to say, I like that building, I kind of like the preaching, I love the music, and they're so friendly, so I'll join a church. What you hear in Paul, what do you hear? Church is a group of people who were redeemed and plucked out of sin and death, filled with the Holy Spirit when they came into Jesus Christ. And filled with the Holy Spirit because they know Jesus, they have been gathered together and we call that church. From the beginning, church was not a brand. It was a gathering in other words, let me put it this way at the risk of being overly dramatic. It is a supernatural, miraculous work of God in a sinful person gathering them together. That is the church. And somehow in the 21st century, we made church a little cheap. We said, you know what, I'll check out this church. I really like it because I made a buddy. And, or, you know, I kind of don't like this church anymore. They make us you know, cook food or, and we have to come back to this realization, what is the church? It is a supernatural, miraculous work of God, of people that he saved and redeemed in Jesus Christ and gathered them together. And so the word in the Greek is ekklesia for church. And you know what that word means? It literally means congregation, the gathering of what? Of who? God's redeemed people. So when we gather, uh, later on we're going to invite Jackson to come up and he'll read his statement of faith. And he's reaffirming his baptismal covenant as a baby. What we're saying is Jackson has come older and now he's become 
uh, in the faith he trusts in Jesus as an older child, we recognize God's claim on Jackson. So Jackson will join the church. He's so excited. He said, can I take communion today? I said, absolutely, after today. So that's so exciting. So the true church is not built by man. Can we say amen to that? It is not built by man. It is built by the one true builder, Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, what does Jesus say? Let's read it together. I will build my church. One more time. I will build my church. That's Jesus saying that. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's good news. Because sometimes as a pastor, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm making so many mistakes. I don't know what the right thing to do at times. If church was governed and led by humans alone without God, we are a mess. But we fall back that this is the visible church. The invisible church is really God's people that he has plucked and Jesus Christ is putting together. And that is a supernatural thing. So, I think church, choosing a church is a very sacred thing. Because it is, in our mind, our choice, but it's really ultimately God inviting people to his body. So when we join a local church, we take that with, with awe and reverence and humility. And so put it this way, if we really understand that I'm only a member of this church by the grace of God, how does that make you feel? Not like club membership owners, right? Not like, you know what, I hope the pastor, you know, gives me and I heard the church members treat me nicely and I hope they all do what I want. No, when we are joined to the church by the grace of God, it gives us this joy and humility. It makes me wonder, who am I that God would want me? And God says, you're my child, and I give you my son, Jesus, to claim you. So church is the gathering of, this, of the redeemed people. You are an evidence of God's miracle. That's amazing. So uh, Paul continues, verse 4 through 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit... There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Gifts, services, activities, they're all given by God. These are all given by the same Lord, same spirit. All of our gifts that you bring, it's not, you know, let me help you out a little bit. It's God has empowered and given me something that I could share here. Verse 11 in that same chapter, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit, listen to this, who apportions to each one individually at I have an older brother, and he was always the athletic one in the family. Uh, I was literally, uh, I think, 80 pounds in middle school. <laughs> I was so skinny. And then in high school, I finally passed 100. My brother was beefy, and he was like football captain. He was baseball. And I always said, God, why did you give him that? He's such a punk. And why can't, why can't I have something more? Uh, so families, we get jealous of each other's gifts. And that's the very reason why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. Church people were starting to get jealous. How come she gets to do that? How, how come he has this gift? But verse 11 tells us something really interesting. It is God in his infinite wisdom who gives to each one of us, and all of you, has a gift 
as God saw fit. That gives me a little more peace, doesn't it? There is a wisdom that God has that I could trust to know if I'm the best page turner or Ethan back there is clicking the keynote for the slides. If you're the best keynote person, we trust that God has given us exactly what we need to be the church. In fact, our book of order of our denomination says God has given us all that we need to be the church. That's the faith we have. So we're never, never short that if we have Jesus Christ, we have all that we need. And so the church, why does God do this? Well, this is the part that I don't understand about God. Uh, children, I don't understand this about God. God could snap his finger, speak, and create this universe. Why doesn't God do that in this world? And I don't know why, but I do know one of the reasons why that he, he is kind of hinting at. For whatever reason, God wants to do the work in this world through his people. I don't get it. God could do it so much better than me. And with or without us, that's a good U2 song, but with or without us, God can do his work through his people. So the church is equipped for what? God's grace and his wisdom to say, I prefer to use a broken person like you, Jason, to do my work. I prefer and choose to use people like you to do my work. Why? To show them it's my power. To show them that you are my beloved and that this work is not man-made, but it's through my grace. And so the church, therefore, if God gives us this, we are empowered to serve. So this idea of going to church once a week, sitting in through a service, listening to a message and going home and living the life I want, doesn't fit in this idea of God's image of church. Church is a gathering of people given a talent. So you saw the picture, each of the six people had a card. Can you imagine one of them says, I don't want to play this and I want to do my own thing. The picture wouldn't be complete. Each one of you who's been baptized into Jesus Christ for whatever reason is called by God to be, in that moment, serve. Empowered to serve. So when we said this during the pandemic, remember I said, you know, we need to stop saying I watched the worship service you know i saw the worship that's i get it technically but we need to be christians who worship god who who adore god who serve god um the message puts it this way verse four through six each person is giving something to do that shows who god is everyone gets in on it everyone benefits all kinds of people things are handed out by the spirit and to all kinds of people so this is God's plan. Why does God choose us? I don't know. But how does God do his work in this world? Through you, the church. Amen? We got to own that. So it's like, oh, I hope there are good pastors and missionaries. No, you are priests, royal priests. You are ministers. In fact, that's a very reformed belief. Can we all say that? I am a minister of Jesus Christ. All that means, minister, is you are a servant called and set apart for God. So, as, a, as Paul continues, verse 8 through 10, he gives this list. Now, this list comes from uh, the message. I like the way the message summarizes the gifts from verses 8 through 10. 
And I want to ask you something. Study that. Meditate on that. What pops out to you about this list? Wise counsel, clear understanding. Why would God give these specific kinds of gifts? And now, these are not exhaustive for sure. But Paul mentions only a few, sampling. And, and if you could thread it together, wh what, what do you see about this list? Here's what I see. This list says that church is not a church that exists to serve itself, but is a centrifugal force that is gathers in Christ's name and his baptism and then is sent out. It is centrifugal. It goes away and afar. Miraculous signs, wise counsel, proclamation, healing sick. So church is, does not exist for us to take care of one another only. We should do that. But it exists to be a witness and say, God, how are you calling me to your purpose in this world? I had dinner with a retired pastor last night, and I just wanted to share this with you. He said, Pastor Jason, listen to this. God is the most powerful being. And then we had this terrible virus that tore up the world. Why would God allow that to happen? Because God has the power to stop it. But why would God allow that to happen? You have to understand and trust that God has a purpose and a will. And we have to, as a church, identify God's purpose. Not to question it, but why a God who is so powerful would allow this? He must have a reason. And so we trust and we seek God's purpose. Why does God give us this? So that we could use it for his purpose in this world. We are a centrifugal force. Um, I think I shared this with you many times, but the churches that have closed down, one of the consultants always study them and conclusion was all the churches that closed down had this one thing in common you ready all the members were focused on themselves one thing that all the churches that closed down had in common the members were only focused about themselves all the churches that closed that element was great so instead of the church being a force in the world, they were a church that focused on themselves. And it's not surprising because in the early 2000s, somebody came up with this term, moralistic therapeutic deity, deism. What that means is this. I'll give you some summaries. God exists who created the world, yes. God wants people to be nice. The central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about yourself. God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed. And lastly, good people go to heaven when they die. 3,000 young people were surveyed, and this is what came out that they believe. It's called moralistic therapeutic deism. In other words, they believe that Christianity is primarily for therapeutic benefits. The problem is, that's not the gospel. And that's not our God. But we have come to believe in that. That it's about comfort and what I want. And when you see Jesus who says, he who wants to come after me must deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. We see that which one of us is wrong? I'm going to put my money that Jesus is the right one. And so when we have a church that is focused on inward, we see that we have these gifts, but either we don't use it 
or we use it only for myself and for my benefit, the church no longer functions as a body. And so this is why we have to worship. Why? Uh, Paul Tripp says this, corporate worship causes you to quit trying to be king and instead joyfully worship and serve the one true savior king. When we worship, I'm reminded this. I don't know about you, but for me, when I worship God, I'm reminded I am small. I am just a speck. And this speck that God loves and redeemed makes me just in awe of him, but also it makes me realize how big and great God is. The question I want to ask you is, who do you want to live for? Your life that's a speck. Or for the king who calls you into his family, who is true, who has been faithful. And so this is why Paul writes 1 Corinthians and says, there can't be division among you because you exist for God's mission. You and I, this church, exists for God's mission. And as broken and as weak and as incapable as sometimes we may be, God is great enough to call us out from death and sin, call us into his mission and give us all that we need. Do you believe that? I believe it. Because our God can do anything. And so where do we go from here? Just the conclusion is this. How do I get back to this? How do I get back to the meaning of being a church? I think it's in verse, the first three verses. It starts with this saying, Jesus is Lord. I asked a friend of mine, how many of our church members can say that joyfully? Jesus is Lord. Filled with the Spirit. Recognizing he is the king. And I want to just ask you would, you, would you join me? If this is what you believe, would you say those three words today? That God, if I am who I am, that you say I am, and you are who you say you are, and you have plucked me out from death and sin, I'm going to say those words with joy and give my life and church over to you. Jesus is Lord. Would you join me? Jesus is Lord. And you can't say that apart from the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we are supernatural, miraculous, gathering, saved by the grace of God. That is the church. And I want to end with this. The early church grew. They, they did their part. They attended together. They gathered. They ate together. They received food. And with generous hearts, they praised God. And they showed favor with all the people. It means they were not living for themselves. They were serving. And then what happens? And the pastor and the elders built up the church, and they made a big building, and 5,000 members joined. No. Can we read it together? And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Who is the church builder? Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is our job? Lord, tell me what you want. I will do it. Use me. You've given me all that I need. Let me be part of this church that functions as a whole, your body. And we'll talk about that next week so you would be glorified. Let's pray together. Lord, do away with the ideas that we have about church. Do away with the things that have really cheapened what church is by our cynicism, our jadedness, or our negative experiences. Because God, the 
invisible church and the visible church, they're all your graces. You have made up, made the church. On this rock, you built it. And God, I confess, Lord, my sins to think that I could run church or be church without you. We confess our sins that we think church is this brilliant planning and, and strategizing and just these technical things. We are nothing without you. We were made by you. We exist and sustained by you. And our mission is ahead of us, empowered by you. So, Lord, thank you for reminding us. May this message of what it means to be the church sink in because the beautiful picture that's ahead of us, regardless of the hardships, regardless of the trials and challenges, lies ahead and you will carry us there by your power. And so we humbly, joyfully say yes to you, Jesus, our Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.